Last month, my mother had heart surgery, and thank you all for your prayers. She's doing really well, so much better. She's home, uh, recovering fine. Uh, her surgery took place uh, during uh, my son's uh, fall break. They're in a year-round kind of school, and so we had had plans with my mom and my dad to go to the beach that week to kind of do a vacation, but obviously, you know, things are more important than, than that vacation, so we were, you know, obviously glad to have her have her surgery to make her feel better and do better. And so that was totally, absolutely worth the sacrifice of a vacation. But uh, after I'd been there with my family, we'd been there a few days for mom and she's getting ready to come out of the hospital. I was coming back home and uh, to get back to life here in Charlotte, uh, my dad kind of pulled me aside and he gave me a check and he said, Kyle, I want you to spend this money on your family to do something fun. This is what we were going to spend on the vacation. And uh, I said, Dad, you don't have to do that. He said, I know I don't have to do that, but I'm your dad, and I want to do that. And so I want you to go and enjoy this uh, with Laura, Luke, and Nathan. So uh, we went, and we took some of that money, and we went to a local fair. They were having this, you know, kind of a big fair. And so we went there, and we probably spent more money there than we would have if it was our money, you know, kind of a thing. And so we rode all the rides, and we had all the junk food. We got a bunch of Cheerwine funnel cakes and just, you know, stuffed our faces full of that kind of stuff. So, you know, really, it's a good time for the family and you know we'd taken out God's portion of, of what my dad had given me and uh, we did some other things and you know at the end of the day we had about five, about $150 left over trying to figure out you know what we're going to do with that and so um, the past couple of weeks uh, I'll just have to confess to you that uh, I've been obsessing over the new uh, Amazon Kindle Paperwhite that's come out. Uh, I'm a big reader and I've got the current Amazon uh, Kindle Paperwhite but the new one's come out or you can pre-order it and uh, you can read it, read with it. You put thousands of books on the Kindle. And I like, I like it because when I'm in bed at night or early in the morning and I'm up reading, I don't have to turn the light on and wake my wife up and get in a lot of trouble. So uh, the new Kindle Paperwhite, though, is waterproof. And so uh, you can read uh, books in the bath, I guess, or by the pool or the ocean. And uh, it also has the ability to do Audible books. And so I'm a, I have a subscription with Audible where you can download books that you listen to I'm driving in Charlotte a lot, and so I, it's a good way to use some of my time. And so I thought, wow, you know, uh, I don't really need that, but it sounds like something I, I would like. And, uh, you know, I wonder if I could use that extra $150 that's left over to buy myself a new uh, uh, paper white Kindle. But I decided not to do that. I didn't want to get in trouble with my family, but I, I still have been kind of researching the Kindle Paperwhite. Now, the trick with the Audible is you can't plug in your earphones to that. You have to get, like, wireless Bluetooth earphones to listen to the Audible kind of uh, feature of that. And so, you know, they sell some really cheap ones on Amazon for, like, 20 bucks. But the, all the reviews say, you know, don't, don't buy these. They're junk. They'll stop working. You need to buy something nice. So I've been looking at the Apple AirPods. They're the uh, earphones for Apple, uh, but they're wireless. They just kind of go in your ears, and they, they actually work with an Amazon product. That's that's kind of pretty cool. Uh, but those are like 160 bucks, you know, and the Kindle itself is $150. And I'm thinking, well, if I'm going to spend a lot of money on earphones, I probably need to get the best ones that are out there. And so I was looking at Beats. And of course, those are those really super nice uh, earphones that go over your ears. And they're about $350. And so uh, you see where this is gone, right? Uh, I have a perfectly good Kindle Paperwhite that works. 
And uh, I want a new Kindle Paperwhite uh, that I don't really need. I mean, how often am I going to read while I'm sitting in the ocean or in the pool? You know, and so I, uh, I can listen to Audible on my phone or my iPad or my iPod. Do I really need $350 speakers? And so, you know, for the past couple of weeks, I've been doing all this research and kind of, you know, lusting over this new technology. And, you know, should I do it? 500 bucks, you know, for the earphones and the Kindle, you know, you deserve it, you know. And so I'm going through all that. And then Monday. Monday comes, and a 16-year-old boy shoots another 16-year-old boy in a local high school and kills him. And I begin to wonder, wow, what could a teacher have done with $500? That's a lot of money for, for a teacher. What if I had you know, donated you know, three Kindles, which, which I could get for $500 to, to, uh, you know, to a classroom? What, what could that do? Or, or all the time that I spent researching this, what if I had volunteered at a school you know, working with a child? Could I, could I have made a difference? And you know, y'all are probably thinking you should have spent that time on this sermon. It could have helped it out a lot. You know? and so, uh, right? and so, but that's that gravity that we, we, we started talking about last week, this financial gravity that... You know, pretty soon the stuff and the pull of, of getting stuff in the world just, you know, can, can just suck us in like a black hole to where, you know, we're just constantly thinking about the next thing we want to buy and then we want to buy something and you need to have something else with that. And so that's not the only purchase that I've kind of been fascinating, uh, you know, fascinated by recently. And I'm just wondering, you know, what, what your thing is right now. What have you been focusing on this week? Is it, you know, a new gadget? Is it some new clothes? Maybe a new car or upgrade or something? I mean, I think we all feel that pull, uh, to, you know, to, 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 to let stuff kind of become our focus. And, 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 you know, this tragedy of a 16-year-old killing another 16-year-old, just, it, it kind of brings it all back into perspective. You know, speaking of, of sermons this week, I uh, had uh, one of our beloved staff members come to me uh, who I really care a lot about, and, and she said, Kyle, I, I need to let you know some things that are going on out in the congregation, you know, being said about you secondhand this week, and it's about your preaching. I said, really? Well, you know, what is that? And she said, well, first of all, people you know, say they love you. I'm like, well, that sounds good. Tell me more. And they love your sermons. I'm like, well, that's awesome. You know, well, you know tell me more. And, but they don't like you preaching about giving money. And uh, they're wondering why you're spending an entire series talking about giving you time and money and, and generosity. And some of them uh, can't wait until this series is over. And some of them are probably not going to come back for, for some of the sermons. And I just I, I wanted you to know that. So, well, well, what was your response to that? And she said, well, what, what would you like me to say? What would you like me? How would you like me to respond to that? And I said, well, you know, I guess, you know, part of it is... I'm talking about generosity with our time and our money, our, you know, the two main resources God has given us because it's my job as a pastor. And I'm trying to follow in the footsteps of my boss. And by boss, I don't mean our, our leadership team who I answer to or to the district superintendent or to the bishop. Again, two people who I answer to. My, my boss meaning Jesus. Right? So when Jesus walked the earth, he talked more about money than he did anything else with the exception of the kingdom of heaven. And so, you know, Jesus talks a lot about giving, giving time and, and giving money. And he does that for a reason. And I think a very important reason that Jesus talks about being generous is because our time and our money are our two main resources. And there's such a big part of who we are and, and our lives. And if we are not able to surrender our time and our money to Jesus, then, then we're going to be in a lot of trouble. And so that's why I'm talking about this. And I think that's, that's why it's important. And, and I know sometimes it's hard for us to hear that. 
and it makes us uncomfortable. Maybe that's not Kyle making us uncomfortable. Maybe that's the Holy Spirit making us feel uncomfortable because there's something that we need to learn or this is something in which we need to, to, to grow deeper. Because it affects our everyday lives. How we spend our time, how we spend our money affects our lives, right? How, how much money have we already spent today? Or if we haven't spent money yet, how much money are we going to spend later? And how are we spending that money? Are we spending our money in godly ways? Is, is it great for your pastor to obsess over a Kindle Paperwhite that he doesn't need and Bluetooth headphones that he doesn't need when he already has equipment that works, when, when he could spend that same amount of money, that same amount of time, and, and, and volunteering with some children in our community, right? So, possibly helping avert some kind of situation that happened in Butler High School just because a, a child was, was shown some love or shown a way to deal with conflict other than violence. How we use our time, how we spend our money is a really big deal. And I think that's why Jesus talks about it a lot. And I just, I want to I wonder about some things today. And I just, I, I don't have the answers, the solid answers. I think I have kind of an idea of how it would go. But I invite you to enter in a, in a kind of a conversation with me, maybe in your brain, thinking about some of these questions that I'm getting ready to ask and, and just see what you think. I wonder, I wonder how much money and time we're going to spend in Charlotte today, in North and South Carolina today, on the Carolina Panthers football game. Now, I love the Panthers. I love the Carolina Panthers. I'm going to go home, hopefully watch you know, as much of that game as I can. And, but how much time and how much money is our community going to spend on, on the Panthers today? From buying the tickets to getting to the, to the game or you know, paying our cable subscription or NFL ticket to, to watch it you know, on home, at home. How much money are we going to spend on the food? How much money are we going to spend on Coke or beer when we're at the game or at our house watching the game? Uh, how much has our community, our city and our, our county, how much has ownership invested into the Bank of America Stadium? Right, millions and millions of dollars just for that stadium. How much money are we going to pay the 22 men who are on the field at one time, and, and the other, you know, 80 some guys who are on the sideline to throw a football, a piece of pigskin around today? How many millions of dollars? How many hours go into a Carolina Panthers football game uh, or a season? Right, and I love the NFL. Uh, and I've got to recognize that I, I put a, a priority upon my time and my money to, to, to be a fan of the NFL and the Carolina Panthers. I also have to admit that it's a violent sport. right? It's America's most popular sport in our country, and it's very violent. Right? What, what's football? It's like, I'm going to move here and you're physically going to have to stop me. I'm going to impose my will on you physically. And we love a good hit or a good smash or someone who gets knocked out of the game. Right? We get our aggression from our workout and all that kind of stuff and the stress in our week. We just we love cheer and we love being a part of something bigger than who we are. But it's very violent. And so how much time and money is invested in this violent sport. And I'm not saying football's evil or anything like that. Just asking some questions. And then we think about other violent sports that, that, that make a lot of money and, and we invest a lot of time in. Like how much time and money is put into boxing in America? Right? Boxers are the ones who really make the money. Those guys at the top really make the money. Or, or in sports like MMA or WWE, you know, again, we're not just talking millions of dollars. We're, we're talking billions of dollars. How much money is going to be spent in Mecklenburg County in the next week or month or year on guns and ammunition? 
right? And how much are we going to invest in, 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 in that sort of thing in our community? How much money and time are we going to invest this week or this year in watching violent television shows, violent movies, playing violent video games? Now, I'm guessing if we add up football and boxing and guns and video games and you know, Netflix and, and movies, even in Regal where we worship, that we're, we're, we're going to go past millions. We're going to be in the billions of dollars that you and I are going to invest in violence in our culture this year. Now, how much are we investing in schools? How much are we investing in character education? How much are we paying our teachers? What are we, 49th out of 50 in, in the U.S., something like that? How much money are we investing in, in the ministries of our children's ministries here in church? How much are we investing in our student ministry? How, how much are we investing to teach our children uh, to deal with conflict uh, in a way that, that's not violent? You know, I can't wait until Tuesday, this coming Tuesday is over, uh, because I don't want to see another negative political ad. Does anybody agree with that today? Right? Yeah, amen. We can amen that together. Your, your preacher might have gone off the rails, but you can at least agree with that. And, uh, you know, and it's not just the TV, like, uh, commercials. Like, I go to my mailbox, it's this little mailbox, and I pull, like, these legal-sized paper ads out, you know, just negative, smearing, Democrats and Republicans going at each other, right? You know what, you know, how many millions of dollars has been spent on this, these political attacks against each other, right? Do you know what that is, ultimately, what that boils down to? That's bullying, isn't it? That's bullying, you know, I went on ESPN.com yesterday. ESPN is the number one sports uh, website in the whole world. And they usually have, you know, five, six, seven main headlines on there. And I went on there. And, and the number four top headline of yesterday was uh, about the NBA, the National Basketball Association. And it was about this superstar player who plays for the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, and he was on there being celebrated uh, for a tweet that he put out on Twitter about another player that plays on the Detroit Pistons. And he was just mocking him and talking about how he owns him in, in playing, calling the other guy a bum. And in essence, he was bullying this guy through Twitter so the whole world can see. And ESPN is, is putting it out there celebrating it. Right? Now, if a high school student had tweeted the same thing about a high school player on another team, you know what we would have done? Uh, we would have probably suspended him, maybe kicked him off the team for the year. But when a professional does it, it's okay. Right? So in the Butler shooting, there was alleged bullying going on, and they can't prove that, but at the very least, there was a conflict going on. And so we tell our students that bullying is wrong, and we shouldn't do that, but as a nation, uh, we condone it, right? We, we let our politicians get away with it. We let our athletes get away with it. We don't just condone it. We celebrate it, right? And so we're spending billions of dollars uh, on on, on violence, video games, and sports, and entertaining ourselves, and, and being bullies. Uh, and then we wonder, we wonder why our children behave violently to settle conflict, uh, and our, our school systems are, are not able to deal with this, right? So I guess what, what my point is, is, is how we spend our time and how we spend our money as a, as a nation says what we care about what are our priorities are, what we love, what we actually worship. And so in the United States of America, we worship violence. 
the United States of America, with our time and our money, we worship violence and we condone bullying. We do. And so we should not be surprised that a 16-year-old boy shoots and kills another 16-year-old boy. Because they're they're just doing what they see us grown-ups spending billions of dollars and hundreds of thousands of hours of our lives on. Hundreds of thousands of hours. And, And I... And the poster child for this. I, 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 own a, I own more than one gun. right? I love the Panthers football. And I, again, NFL is not evil. It's not evil. Right? But I spend a lot of time and a lot of money watching football. Like I watched the LSU-Alabama game last night. What was that three, four hours? I'm going to watch the Panther-Buccaneer game today. That's three, four more hours. That's, that's an entire work day that I'm spending uh, watching sports. Now, have I volunteered eight hours in the school this week? No, I haven't. Do I plan on doing it? Probably not. Right? You see where I'm going with this? Right? I, I watch violent television shows. I watch violent movies. I take my boys to violent movies. Superhero movies, it's all about violence. It's the good guys beating up the bad guys. It, it, it's, it's violence. I play video games that are violent with my children, my six-year-old and my 10-year-old. Now, I will not let them play Fortnite, but I think they think I'm hypocritical because so I, I let them play Super Smash Brothers, and I play Super Smash Brothers with them. And you know what you do in Super Smash Brothers on the screen? You beat the snot out of each other. And so, like, one of them is Mario, and I'm Donkey Kong, and the goal is to beat the other guy senseless, right? And so, if anything, I'm talking and preaching to myself. Why does Jesus want us to talk about time? Why does Jesus want us to talk about money? Because how we spend our time, how we spend our money is a life and death decision. And we've seen that played out in our community this week. And we should not be surprised that our children are shooting each other when we hold up violence and bullying to such high degrees in our community and our culture. And that's why I talk about it. And that's why I need to talk to myself about it. Right? I'm part of it. But Jesus shows us a different way. Jesus shows us a different way. We're going to read a passage today in the New Testament that the Apostle Paul wrote. Paul was a pastor in the first century, and he wrote most of the New Testament, and he started a lot of churches, and so he would write them letters and give them advice. And, and so this is a letter that he wrote to a church in a, in, a, in a town called Philippi. So he's writing to the Philippians, and he's talking about Jesus. He's talking about how you know Jesus is the Son of God, God Himself, and Jesus was in heaven where everything's perfect, and everyone worshipped Jesus, and Jesus, you know, He's got everything going for Him. And then on the earth, right, we're messing things up where we've disobeyed God, and we hurt each other, and we hurt our relationship with God, and we we experience guilt and shame and and brokenness and death and hell, which means separation from being in good relationships. And and so Jesus looks down and He sees that, and so He, he has, He's got a choice, right? Is He just going to say, you know what, human? I created you in my image. I gave you everything. And this is how you repay me, right? You've made your bed, then lie in it. He could do that. Or he could say, you know what? This is not what I want for my, my, my children. I created them. I love them. They created my image. There's more to life than what's going on. I need to get involved and do something about that. So, so Paul's going to walk us through what Jesus did. Okay, so let's check this out in Philippians uh, chapter 2, beginning with verse 3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Value Democrats above yourselves. Value Republicans above yourselves. Value black people above yourselves. Value white people above yourselves. Value gay people above yourselves. Value straight people above yourselves. 
Value the bullies above yourselves. Value the victims above yourselves. In humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Hey man, I'm Jesus. I'm the Son of God. I'm in heaven. Why do I need to go help out these schmucks down on earth that just can't get it right, even though I've given them everything? That's not what Jesus did. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself. The God of the universe humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus came, he died. He suffered and died for people that didn't deserve it, for you and me, because He loves us. And He wants better for us. He wants us to live life to the full and not be hampered by guilt and shame, but to have joy and peace and to live life to the full now and forever in the kingdom of heaven. That's why Jesus came. He gave everything. He sacrificed everything for us. Jesus is the prime example of generosity. So what? So God calls us, be generous like Jesus. Be generous like Jesus. How we spend our time, how we spend our money makes the difference. It makes the difference in this world. It makes the difference in the world to come, right? How we use these resources for God is life and death stuff. We've seen it happen in our community this week. Be generous like Jesus is what Paul's saying, right? If our God can do this, then then we have to follow in his footsteps. And so as we think about, well, well, what does that mean? What does it mean to be generous? Let me give you a couple of of, of definitions here. Generous, to to see the needs of others and to take the steps to meet those needs. I see that someone's hurting. I see that someone needs this. Right? I, I may or may not like them. They may or may not deserve it, but I need to help meet their needs. That's what Jesus did. He saw that we needed everything and he gave us everything. Giving good things to others freely and abundantly, right? To be generous like Jesus. So a few practical things that I'd just like to challenge you to think about, to pray about this week. And if you're taking notes in your journal or on your phone, I know it's kind of hard to see in the dark, or maybe just to file these away in your memory, like a few things to, to think about about being generous, right? One of them is our prayer life, right? I, I, I would invite you this week as you're praying to God, try to keep track of how many times we ask God for stuff for us. God, help me with this, or help me in my job, or or help my child do well, or protect me, or save me, or help me get this promotion, or Lord, help me be able to afford that, or help me get this education, right? And those are good prayers. There's there's nothing wrong with, with offering things to God in prayer, right? The Bible says that. But how often are we praying, Lord, help me to help the situation? Lord, how can I make our school systems a safer place? How can I make our political process become more cordial, right? Lord, how can you use me to make this world a better place? God, use me in my workplace today. Use me at school today. Use me in my family. Use me in my cul-de-sac. Use me in my church, right? What percentage are we asking God to hook us up? And what percentage are we asking God, I want to be a part of the solution, God, I want to be a part of bringing your kingdom to my life, in my everyday life. God, open my eyes. Give me the courage and the wisdom to make whatever it is, wherever I go, a better place for you. Do you have balance in that? Is is it more give me or is it more send me? 
Right? How, how do we do that? I think another thing to think about generosity is how do we view our resources? Do we view them as owners? Right? The world says we're owners. It's your time. It's your money. You earned it. Right? You, it's been given to you. It's yours. Do with it as you feel led. It, it's yours. Right? Or do we see our resources as uh, in the terms of stewardship rather than ownership? To where our time and our money is not our time and our money. It's God's. And that God has given it to us and we're supposed to watch over it. Right? We're, we're, we're taking care of our resources for God. Right? Do we own it? Do we own our time and money? Or does God own it and we're trying to take care of that for God? And so, so in my life, right, sitting down at the end of the month and I'm going back and I'm reconciling my financial statements and my bank accounts and all that. You know, did I meet the budget? Did I miss my, my, my personal family budget? Right? Also looking at the calendar. Hey, this has been a great month. I mean, I was productive here. Not so much here. I did spend time with my family. Did I, you know, do I have a good work-life balance with my time? All that kind of stuff stuff, right? Could you imagine that not just doing that by yourself, but could you just imagine that Jesus is sitting there next to you and that we're giving Jesus a report, right? Jesus, this is how I spent the time you gave me this month. And I'm so glad to show you this, but I don't want you to look at this part, right? Jesus, thank you for the money that you gave me. Let me show you how I use that to advance your kingdom and to do godly things. And, and I want you to see, look at, look at my uh, statement, Lord. I'm, just, I'm so glad to celebrate this with you. Or is it, oh, Jesus, I, I can't show you the records this week, right? I spent all these hours obsessing about a Kindle that I didn't need. And you know, just, you know, is it our stuff or is it God's stuff? And if, if God were with us at the end of every month and we're kind of reconciled how we're using the resources, would that be a fun meeting or would that be, oh, my goodness? Kind of a meeting. Are we owners or are we stewards? Right. And then as, as we think about what God's given us, to sit down and, and make a conscious decision, how much am I going to give to God of my time and my money this week? How much am I going to, you know, in a couple of weeks we're asking everyone to turn in, you know, a commitment card to, to, to say this is how I'm going to serve God in 2019 with my time and my money. Now, the Bible gives us kind of a target for our money. It's somewhere around 10%, right? It's a tithe of our, of our money. Though it doesn't really say how much time we're supposed to give to God, right? How many hours do we give God a week, you know, serving in the church or, or volunteering our, our time out in, you know, some charity somewhere. Somebody after the first service came to me and said, well, Pastor Coffey, you work a 40-hour week and you tithe that. That's four hours. Surely we could all give four hours to God through the church or, 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 you know, or some kind of ministry. You know, maybe that's not too much of a stretch. So anyway, to challenge all of us, you know, in two weeks when we come in and we turn in the stewardship commitment card to say, God, this is how I'm going to honor you with my time and this is how I'm going to honor you with my money. Now, this book that we're reading um, in our small groups and in our Sunday school kind of classes, uh, Define Gravity, they, they quote um, a study of people in America self-reporting about how they spend their time and their money, and it, it, it's fascinating. So I want to share some of that with you. It says that right at 45% give $0 to charity, right? $0 to charity. 41% give less than 2% to charity, Right. Right, so the majority of our nation is, is far short, short of you know, giving 10% of, of what we have to something bigger than, than, than who we are. 15% of Americans give you know, more than 2% to charity. So 15% of the nation is pretty much carrying all charitable contributions, and, and that's a 2% and up. Right? So, so 10% in the Bible definitely is a sacrifice, is a sacrifice to God. But, but then some people say, well, you know what? I can't give the money, but you know, I, I love to give my time. I love to give you know, my presence 
presence and, and to do that. But this study goes on to show that 76% of Americans give zero minutes to volunteering for any charity. 76% of us don't volunteer a single minute to a school, to a church, to a nonprofit, right? To anything, right? So what would it look like to give our time and our money to God? Again, right? Your pastors admitted eight hours of football in two days, right? That, that's an entire workday for most of us, right? What could, what could a child do with, with, with eight hours of, of, of attention from someone who cared about them to come in and, and read to them, right? How are we spending our time? How are we spending our money? It makes all the difference in the world, right? And so, again, in two weeks, I'm going to ask you to come back in and turn in a stewardship commitment card. We do it every year to say, this is how I'm going to give my money to God, and this is how I'm going to give my time to God, right? I, I want to help set up the church to make sure we can have worship on Sunday. I want to, I want to serve the, the younger generation. I want to make sure that the children of this church in Explorers Ministry or Student Ministry are learning about Jesus and learning how to, how to deal with conflict in ways that are other than violent situations. Sign me up. I want to be a volunteer. I, I, want, to, I want to be a servant minister in those ministries, right? So we've got a commitment card. We've got a picture of that card. I want you to be praying and thinking about how is it God's calling you to serve Him? in 2019 through the ministries of South Park Church, your church home. Right? Also asking you to turn in a capital campaign commitment card to build our new campus that Kevin talked about, you know, to be this, this spiritual center of the South Park community. What a great opportunity that is. And this is, this, is, this is a stretch goal. It's over and above what we're giving to God, right, through a stewardship campaign because we, we can't stop our ministries. And so this is going to be a two-year commitment over and above that. Uh, and I know that that's a big leap for all of us. Right? But it's a leap that Laura, a leap that Laura and I are willing to make. And so today, you know, we, we handed you out this uh, this toolbox. We've got a picture of that. I'm gonna hold it up here. This is a really cool thing. It kind of helps us think through what it's like to be generous, right? This has got pictures of our project. Uh, it talks about being generous, ways to be generous. There's, we can give assets and you know differently than money, and so there's all kinds of ways to do that. There's some creative ways to be generous in here. One, there's a chart in here, and on that chart it says that if every family in our church were to skip going to the movies once a month, like going to the movies and buying the popcorn and buying all the tickets, right? If, if we all just gave up one movie a month, for 24 months, and we gave that money to the capital campaign, that'd be $360,000 is an estimate, right? right? So that's a sacrifice, but it, it's not a, you know, an unreasonable sacrifice. That, man, that's $360,000 if we all get behind this. That, wow, just think what we can do. Also in this toolbox is the gift profile guide that I kind of briefly mentioned last week. And we've got a picture of that. It just, just shows you the various gift levels that we need to raise the $1.65 million to build our church in the heart of South Park. And what's beautiful about this is, is that there's a place for all of us on that chart. Right? There's several gifts of $2,000 and below. There's a $3,000 level. There's a $10,000 level. There's a six-figure kind of level. And God has blessed us all differently with financial gifts and abilities. And so if we all make a sacrificial gift, right, our, our eye goes to a line on that chart up there that we feel comfortable with. Like if we take a step up from that, right, if we all do that, 100% of us do that, we're going to blow through our goal and, and we're going to have our, our church built and we'll have other stuff that we can put in the church. And so that's one cool thing. Uh, about this generosity tool. So I just invite you to take that home and, and pray through that. But again, it's not just to build bricks and mortar. 
It's to bring the love and, 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 and saving grace and power of Jesus Christ into our community. Right? The past two weeks in our country have really been rough. Right? The, the shooting in Pittsburgh, uh, where the, the Jewish folks were in the synagogue and they were worshiping God there, and, um, and this, this guy comes in who hates Jewish people and he shoots them, kills them. Uh, one of the victims was a 97-year-old woman that survived the Holocaust. She survived Adolf Hitler. She survived the Holocaust. She's in America, the greatest country in the world. She's worshiping freely as, as is given her right through the Constitution. She's doing that because she thinks she's safe in our country and somebody walks in and, and kills her. Or Hitler couldn't succeed, some nut in, in our country finishes the job. Her, it's horrific. We're going into the election this Tuesday and our country's probably never been more divided than it is right now. It probably has been, but it doesn't feel like it, right? Our country's like split down the middle on every issue. We really got a lot of hatred for the other side. And, you know, we just back and forth in the, the rhetoric from our leaders. It's just, it's rough, right? It's bullying. And, and so we see all of this and we have that stress. And, and then this past Monday, I'd gotten up early, I'd gotten my boys breakfast, uh, and I'd taken them to school. That's kind of our ritual, I do that, and then Laura picks them up. And after I drop them off at school, I go back to our neighborhood, and I run around some laps around the neighborhood, and that's kind of my exercise time, and it's my time to pray and just process things. And then I head home, and so usually I just jump in the shower, get ready, and, and hit, hit, hit work. And, uh, but when I got home, Laura was... She was usually, you know, getting ready too, but she was in her pajamas and she was sitting upstairs in our loft and she was glued to the television. And of course, uh, the shooting had just happened at Butler and uh, I just sank down beside her and we were just mesmerized by the television and, and we saw the reporters, you know, trying to figure out what's going on. You saw all the traffic, you know, lined up down 74 and all of a sudden you see all these parents just marching this big mob because they, they want answers and they want their children and, and you know, our hearts are going out to them. If our boys are in that school, right, we would be crushed and we would probably be right there with them. But I was also, you know, my heart went out to the law enforcement. They're trying to keep the, the, the environment safe. They're trying to gather evidence. And, and I can't, you know, our hearts are obviously going out to the students and to the teachers and the administrators. You know, Beth in our church, she is the nurse of the school there. So, you know, certainly worried about her and what's going on with that and what she's facing and trying to help the students and all of this. And then one of the reporters who was, who was reporting on this, he had three daughters in the school. And one of them had texted him and that she saw the shooting. And so he, I don't know how he's carrying on his job. And then, you know, he kept saying, I, I've got to go. i got to go find my girls. And just, you know, it's just, this, is this really happening in my community? And so we're just watching all this. Finally, they let some of the students out and they begin to interview some of the students with their parents. And there was this young girl and her dad were being interviewed by, by a different interviewer than, than I mentioned just now. And, and they were asking him, you know, what was it like? What's going on? And, and, and the father said, you know, she's here safe and, and we're grateful. And, and he said, we had a plan for this. The reporter said, what do you mean you had a plan for this? He said, well, we knew all the school shootings going on. I prepared my daughter to be ready in case it happened here. And she said, well, tell me more about what your plan is. And he said, well, the first thing is she always has her phone on her. It's always charged so that she can, she can communicate with us or whoever she needs to. And I taught her that if she ever heard the pops of a gun, the pop, 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 to immediately move to a window to look out to go through the window, run to the parking lot, and hide underneath the car. He said, we had a plan, and she is safe, and I'm grateful for that. 
So my wife and I are sitting there watching that. And we're welling up with tears. And so my wife hears that and she turns to me and she says, Kyle, what kind of a country do we live in? What kind of a country do we live in where our children need a plan to escape from a school shooter? What kind of a country do we live in? A country that worships violence with our money and with our time. A country that, that condones bullying from our politicians and our athletes, right? It's a country that needs Jesus Christ. But the bright spots, there were two bright spots in all of this that I just kept focusing on that gave me hope. And the first of them was you just kept hearing Elevation Church and Elevation Church and Elevation Church, Elevation Church. Right? Elevation Church has opened its doors for parents. Elevation Church is where parents are gathering. We know it's a difficult time for parents. They don't know what's happening. They, they're waiting to get their children. Elevation Church is right near Butler High School. Elevation Church is welcoming parents. They want to be a sanctuary for parents at this time. In the midst of these parents' worst nightmare, the worst thing that could ever happen from a parent's perspective for their child to be in mortal danger, who was there to help them? A church of Jesus Christ for the whole world to be able to see that. And then that night, that Monday night, at Matthews United Methodist Church, Butler High School is in Matthews, North Carolina. This, this killing happened in Matthews, North Carolina. Matthews United Methodist Church, a sister church of, of, of us, Right? We, we had Good Friday services there last year during Holy Week with them since we don't have a building. Matthews United Methodist Church opened its doors and had a prayer vigil. It had a prayer vigil for the community and it was led by the youth, the students of that church. They, their youth praise band was there and most all of the students that, that go to church there are from Butler High School. And so... Pastor Nancy and Kevin and I went. We invited the students from, from our church to go if they felt led, you know, to kind of process what's going on, what they saw on television. So we went and we prayed and we sang and we cried and we spent time. And it was a great time to begin the healing process for this community that was rocked by this terrible shooting. And who was doing that? It was a church. A Christian church, United Methodist Church, saying we love our community. We know that there's darkness, but we have light that shines in the darkness, and the darkness will not overcome it, and that is Jesus Christ. And so I think about the men and women, the men, women, and children who sacrifice blood and sweat and tears and money to build those two buildings to build the Elevation Church campus, to build the Matthews United Methodist Church campus. They had no way of knowing that their church campuses would one day be a sanctuary or a refuge for a shooting of a child in our community. But God knew that that was going to happen. And the people tapped into God, and so they, they built those sanctuaries. And in so doing, they gave our community a ray of hope and a ray of light through Jesus Christ. And if nothing else happens in those buildings, those buildings have done their purpose for God. But great things are going to continue to happen in those buildings, right? Because our world needs the good news of Jesus. Why do I talk about money? Why do I talk about time? Why are we building a building in the heart of South Park? Because South Park needs Jesus just like Matthew's. And God calls us to be generous, to be a part of something bigger than who we are, to show the world that in all of the darkness that the light shines and that light is Jesus Christ. Be generous like Jesus.